Hey listeners, welcome to Beckett's Babies, a podcast where we discuss the joys and frustrations of playwriting. But one part of that process always takes longer than we want, submissions. We all know how time-consuming submitting your work to contests and festivals can be. That's why we're so excited to team up with Play Submissions Helper. When you sign up for Play Submissions Helper, you get immediate access to a master list of playwriting opportunities. Over 400 listings all around the country, all seeking submissions right now. They provide submission guidelines and any other details you need to enter. And they update the list every month. So you get the most complete, up-to-date information. It doesn't matter what kind of plays you write. Dramas, comedies, or musicals, full-length, one-act, or ten-minute. Play Submission Helper has you covered. So if you're ready to share your script, go to playsubmissionshelper.com. Use coupon code Beckett's Babies to receive a 90% discount off the first month and start submitting today. Listeners, you're listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies, a playwriting podcast. Every week we discuss plays we love, interview theater artists, and share our thoughts on playwriting and theater. We're your hosts, Sam Collier and Sarah Cho. On today's show, we'll be dis- discussing scene and act breaks. You know, what's going on between the scenes, between the act breaks, time jumps, all the good stuff, the, the, the parts in the middle between those two things <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and understanding why it works or why, you know, why it is the way it is. Um, so, yeah. Initial thoughts, Sam? I have so many thoughts about this, but my initial thought, I'm just thinking about um, teaching playwriting and how when I was first writing plays, Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us have this kind of TV quick cuts sensibility in our minds, mm. TV or film, where um, we just want to do a lot of scene breaks. Yeah. And I remember when I was first starting to write plays, and I see this in my students too, um, it's hard to get out of that habit of just having lots lots and lots of scenes where you're changing location constantly. And, and then when you see that on stage as a young playwright and it takes so long <laughs> to change to a new place and like, oh, God, especially yeah. if, you, if you're bringing the lights down and you're moving furniture around and like there's right. costume changes and, and then you're like, oh, I will never do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's something that, people can only really learn by watching that happen. Yeah. Um, so interesting you say that with TV because from my understanding with TV is because of ads, right? Like the way mm-hmm. the scene ends right. or you want to end on a cliffhanger or something, like something really exciting so that people want to come back, stay through this, <laughs> the ads so they stick with the show. Right. Um, so I just feel like, television really have dictated the way but it's also following that three-act structure well with sitcoms especially but Um, even in a film where there's no ads you mm -hmm. still have a lot of scene breaks 
where, you know, two people are in a car and then you cut to a kitchen right, and then you cut right. to like somebody else walking on That's a true. beach. And I think a lot of my students really want to do that kind of storytelling on stage. <laughs> and, you know, and it takes some time for them to realize that it just doesn't work the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Those are just two very different mediums. Like film and TV are just, uh, it's so visual. And right, right. Whereas theater is so dialogue, character driven, and in a way that's meditative. Like, I feel like that's the word I always think of with mm. theater is you're like really sitting through and like sitting in and, you know, getting comfortable. Um, and there's musicals. Like musicals is a whole other thing. Yeah, you're that's just true. break into song and musical whole where the song will just leap 20 years into the future. And yeah. It's like a whole other thing. But with a with a traditional play, it's like a whole other And I've definitely seen plays where just with a, a shift in lighting, you can be in a totally different location for like three mm-hmm. lines and then go back to the senior. So it's not like you can't do quick changes in time and place in a play but it just works really differently mm-hmm. um so yeah hmm. so when you're writing a play sarah a brand new play um how do you decide how do you kind of feel out where one scene should end and the next one should begin. Does it does it happen naturally, or do you kind of plan out? Okay, this scene's going to be yeah. about ten minutes long, and here's what's going to happen, beat yeah. by beat. I honestly, even when I'm writing, I'm like, I have no idea. But um, like general rule in my head that I give to myself is like, I like I just think about how many pages I, I mean I hate these rules but it's just something to help me when I first start mm-hmm. it's just like I just want to read nine reach 90 pages because mm-hmm. I think young Jean Lee said this too when she did her workshop was like 90 pages is probably like a good place to just good enough of pages where you could start rewriting it's like good yeah. enough information so like 90 pages is like enough um so so I just break it down honestly 90 pages a scene 10 pages like mathematical like 10 uh-huh. pages per scene um to reach nine ninety. so it's like nine scenes total that's what I'm, i guess i think oh i love that, that. so nine scenes total how do i get there from where i start in the beginning and so i don't so sometimes there's each scene i guess i end at a place where I've set up the scene or like I've there's enough information there but I don't really think about the jumps as much because mm-hmm. it could be as the next night or the the same night or the same day you know it's just moving through time within that span of the story um but so you know you're gonna you know the scene's gonna be 10 pages but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, like something big is gonna happen between the, the scenes. Of, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, not, yeah. Not necessarily. Maybe. So to break down even more mathematically, it's like nine scenes, but then there are three acts. Let's just say I'm following a three act structure, mm-hmm. and so like each act is three scenes. So maybe 
end of three scenes, there's something that kind of something changes in the world or something big happens, heightens in a different way or something like that. Just to like give myself that that information from that yeah. script, so then when I go back, I could change it. But I I feel like when I first start, I, it's such a Type A brain, but it's like <laughs> all organized, structured like that way, and then I'll just throw it out the window. Mm. Um, but you need that to kind of get going, like training just to get wheels. going. Yeah, it's <clears throat> like little yeah. little little bite sized goals just to write. Um, but yeah, that's how my brain works in the beginning. But yeah, not not every scene, but maybe every act, end of act, there's something, mm-hmm. a significant change happening. Yeah. What about you? I feel like it's much more, I'm just feeling it out when I write a first draft. So mm-hmm. it's much more just kind of intuitive. Like I don't, I really want to try that approach and see how that feels to me because I've never done it that way. I've only ever just started at the beginning and then I, mm. I'm i just like, let's see how how this scene plays out. And then and sometimes it almost feels like I'm cre- creating a kind of rhythm where oh, I'll have like mm-hmm. a really short scene and then a scene that's a little bit longer and then a scene yeah. that's like a lot longer and then a short scene again. So it's um, – it feels yeah it feels more more kind of like i'm intuiting or i'm yeah kind of scoring a, a musical piece with that kind of rhythm mhm so then when you end a scene or an act let's just say like do you are you, you it's when you kind of intuitively intuitively feel like this is coming to an end yeah before you move on definitely yeah in the first draft I try to really not overthink it and I just I just feel my way through it and then I find when I'm revising you know Mm. sometimes I go back and I'm like wow you know scene three needs to have a lot more stuff in it and so I'll I'll add a whole bunch of pages to scene three but then it feels like the rhythm is thrown off getting from scene two to scene four if I have to, if scene three is too long, so then it it becomes this kind of process where I have to, you know, if the length of scene three changes, then I need to rethink scene two and scene four, because it it can throw oh, that rhythm really out of whack. Yeah, especially like, um, well, I'm like my play Daisy Violet has this like really kind of propulsive forward momentum in Act mm-hmm. One, mm-hmm. and it. And so um, it it starts – well, it starts with a long scene, but then it has a bunch of shorter scenes. And then I was really, when I was revising it, thinking about, like, okay, how can I add in more information in these parts of it without, without weighing the scenes down too much? Because I, I do need to have that kind of levity and that forward momentum. Um, yeah, that play – that play has like a whole bunch of scenes in act one and then act two is just one continuous scene. Mm. So the rhythm is really different between the acts. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, so you wrote a play when we were at Iowa that has no scene breaks. 
it's just oh yeah straight through <laughs> can you talk a little bit about your play monopoly and how you landed on that oh, structure because i don't think i've ever written a play that had no scene breaks and it just when i think about Continuous. it i get exhausted not like if i think <laughs> about the process of writing something like that yeah. i feel exhausted but i but i did not feel exhausted watching your play because it's so well written I think, well, I think the first draft, I think it was kind of had a, I, I think I did structure it out like first act, second act. Mm. Um, I think it was a two act originally. And then when we got into the rehearsal room, the more we rehearsed and like talked about the play, I was like, it really feels like it's this one moment in time like, with the two main characters, the two sisters. Yeah. Um, and it was it's kind of a short play. I think it was like an hour, like 70 minutes or something. Yeah. Um, that's why it just felt like this one hour in these two girls' life. Like I want this is this is the moment in their life that everything's about to change. Right. And, and we're living hour. we're living through that in real time with them. Yeah. And that just that's like came about during rehearsal. The conversation just kind of came about. Um, and I think it was because maybe because um, it was two characters and we thought that maybe like simple is the way to go with it. Like if we do too many, act like they're all taking one location anyways. And like if we use lights and stuff like that, I don't know if it's going to pull away or not um, mm. from that, the moment that we're trying to build into, which is where these two characters are, the two sisters young sisters are living together. They don't know where their parents are and their house is about to get bulldozed. Like there's it's just like a, a pretty big dark, moment. you guys. Pretty dark. Uh, a For big a moment. Play, pretty dark. <laughs> and yet so funny. Um like ah the sister's <laughs> mom. Um but yeah so it was like the moments before that happening, right? It's like looking at that. So um and I think so practically we just wanted to remove any things that was going to um, kind of distract that, I guess. Yeah. Building that moment. Um, and, yeah, it was all in one continuity. I, and I think that's probably my only play I've written like that. That it's works that one, way. That works mm -hmm. that way. Um, Did it – was yeah. it hard to – whenever I think about writing a two-character play that's a full length, I just mm -hmm. don't oh, – yeah. I can't – like even think about how I would sustain it was it yeah how did you pull that off I did I <laughs> I mean I I even I got bored I was like oh, this is so repetitive I mean there was like it was it was really hard like um trying to keep up with the information without being so repetitive which happened anyways mm -hmm. um yeah, sustaining that long, it was, yeah, it was just, it was really hard. <laughs> I was like, why did we choose to do this way? Um, <laughs> well, I thought it worked really well. It was just like, I think I was just like, God, I, if maybe, if maybe I feel like it would have worked better as a one act play, but hmm. one act 45 minute play maybe. But I was just like building to that moment of the bulldozing. It was, well, it is one act, right? In a way, yeah, it is. You're right. It's just a long one act. It's a long one act. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm thinking also right now of The Niceties by Eleanor Burgess, which is a two-character play with two women. Mm -hmm. And it's a two-act play, but she has no scene breaks within, the, within each act. Mm -hmm. And 
And that's another one where she just does such a good job of like um, building that forward momentum and, and tightening or heightening the tension mm. over the course of each act that I never felt like I needed a scene break. And so then when the act break comes, it's like, oh, I just, I'm so, she has such a cliffhanger at the end of act one. I'm so interested to see what's going to happen in act two. And it feels like she really, really earns that act break. Mm. Niceties. The niceties, yeah. Um, the thing I'm really interested between the scenes, especially because we've been, as we've been like reading plays all year long for the show is, is, is how the playwright cues you in on something. Like, I love these, like, cues that could be a line of dialogue that we just, same dialogue, line of dialogue that maybe we've recognized two scenes ago or um, a prop being used or some kind of sound or whatever that cues you in. Like, cues like that, I'm always curious, like, what if that is something that happens during the rewrite kind of like you start you know getting specific and weaving in those moments mm. to connect it all or something like just kind of all happens organically um because i feel like i've heard both happening for people um do you but, mean cue what do you mean can you give me an example of what, what, um, what you mean by a cue let me think um Oh, what is that one? What was the play we read recently with the blah, 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 two brothers? Um, oh, oh the, um, you know, the cards he's playing, the, the cards, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Susan Laurie Parks, Susan Laurie Parks, um, Top Dog, Top Dog, Underdog, yeah, where we're like, um, there's a the return of those cards, that's like a good one, I guess, mm-hmm. where we how we set it up and then we're kind of returning and like each time, or maybe not, sorry, that's kind of in the middle of the scene but 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 you mean it kind of ties the different scenes together yeah kind of Mm -hmm. it's just helping to create this connector of of the scenes or um cueing you in of thinking about that moment differently now than it was before because so much has happened but like yeah or just setting up um or i'm just thinking about sweat by Mm -hmm. lynn nottage where it was going about between two years, two time periods, 2000, 2008. Right. And it cues you in of, oh, like a, it could be a line of information, a line of dialogue that has that information that you recognize like, oh, that they were that there's a history there between those two characters because we just saw that, you know? Right. Kind of just setting you up and letting you see it differently. Um, and sometimes it's at the beginning of the scene, you know? to show you that time has passed or the time has passed yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah and so there's just those moments allowing you to see that differently yeah yeah i feel like a lot of those probably do happen in the revision process mhm like i think one of the things that happens in a first draft is you put things in there you put like a whole bunch of stuff in there and you're like, well, I don't know what's going to end up being important. And then in the revision process, at least this is my process, in the revision process, I look at all those things I put in there and I'm like, okay, well, which are the ones that have the most weight? Those are Mm -hmm. the things I'm going to return to again and again. 
throughout the scenes and those are the things that I want the audience to pay attention to so I'll make those more frequent and more important and then some of the other mm -hmm. stuff I can start to weed out um, oh I see so making your ideas like clearer that way yeah isn't it? I think so well like when I think about the first play I ever wrote in undergrad I had just so many things going on because I just like wanted to put it all in this yeah. like, 25 minute play. I still do that. Um, <laughs> I just had so much. I mean, it was like everything I thought was theatrical went into this play. Mm -hmm. And and like I didn't know how to revise then. So that's just what the play was. But now, you know, I still do that in a first draft, but then I'll go back and I'll see, okay, well, maybe I don't need all of these things in this play maybe i can pick the one or two motifs uh, uh -huh. or you know things that i want the audience to track and make how, like how can i bring that back in the next scene rather than adding a whole new theatrical element um mm. yeah hmm. so when i first got to iowa i was like really obsessed with act breaks that that spanned like a whole bunch of years and yeah. so I wrote a bunch of plays at Iowa where I, I was just kind of working through this idea of like what happens if you jump so many years between acts which I still love but I don't feel as obsessed with that idea as I did when I first got to Iowa and I and the reason I was so interested in that was because I had just seen Mr. Burns a post-electric play by Anne Washburn and she has um that's a three-act play where it's like the first act is right after this apocalyptic disaster and then act two is um i don't know like maybe seven years later and then mm -hmm. act three is like many 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 years later wow mr burns is the one play i still haven't read or seen and I feel like did it's a you, play I hear. hear didn't you like, weren't you one of those kids who watched The Simpsons a lot like me? Yes. Okay, I you have to see it. <laughs> I want to talk to you about it. I'm but right. I think, yeah, I think you should, if you can, try yeah. to see it instead of reading it. Reading it? Mm. Because, I don't know. I mean, I haven't even seen it on the script, on the page, but. There was something about seeing it that, well, I mean, I was just so young in my theater creative journey, and it really, I, it was so exciting to me to see what you could do with structure. Mm. I wonder if you have to see it because if it's kind of, I don't want to say spoofing, but if it's like, it's about Simpsons, maybe. Mm -hmm. Because I, I do remember seeing like production photos, and it's like mm -hmm. so colorful and big, and um, but I kind of wonder if that's because you know you don't read about Simpsons, you don't you just exactly like an and so much of it, yeah, so much of the it's interesting because I I I saw the DC production, and then the things I heard about the New York production, it sounded a a little bit different in terms of tone, oh, but. Uh -huh. But the production I saw was so stylized and so funny and 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 so much of that was the physicality and the, the just the physical comedy of the performers. Um or I don't even know if comedy is the right term because it's pretty dark, but 
yeah, the performer, the performance itself was like the thing that I responded to. So mm-hmm. I just don't know what my experience would have been if I read it. Hmm. Well, someone out there, you producing this in a, <laughs> a post pandemic world, a post. Yeah. Thing that's post- Wait, Sarah, maybe you should direct it. <laughs> direct it. Oh man. Uh, yeah, maybe. Do you have any favorite plays that have act breaks or jumps in time that you really like? Um, the other play I could think of that um, that we read on the show was uh, is Thirty Six Views, and yeah. and it, and each scene kind of ended with a sound. If you mm, remember, that's like a, right. And I thought that was such an interesting way to like to signify to the audience like this is the end of a scene like really mm-hmm. really letting your audience know that we're we're done with this and we're moving on to the next um and i thought that was interesting just moving that way the yeah. moving the, the story that way um but yeah there's just so much to utilize too right it's not in the pages but also like the the lighting the sound, light shifts, light fades. Yeah. We're coming to an end here. Um, and I feel like there's just so much to do there other than uh, in, to bring that change into the scene or moving from one scene to the next. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's the hardest for my students to understand is that if you're not, if you don't have a really elaborate set, that needs to change with every scene change, then you can do so much more. You're so much freer in terms of your scene breaks. Like Mm -hmm. I have students who will write these really elaborate scene descriptions. So, you know, so like one scene is in a kitchen and they describe all this furniture and then they're only there for one page. And then the next scene they're in like a bedroom and there's all this new furniture. Um, And, and, you know, and they don't realize that like, moving all that furniture takes so much time and you lose the audience. Yeah. Um, but, but if you can just have, if you can just gesture at a location with one item, um, then you can go so many more places. I would be, I'm just like thinking like as an audience member, if I was sitting there and half the show was seen <laughs> crew members, like, mm-hmm. but haven't you seen shows like that? Yeah, I have. And I'm like, <laughs> I see it all. Like, I see the changes. And yeah. I'm like, um, but wouldn't it be funny, though, if 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 those changes was part of the show? Like, right. crew members had lines or like, I can't believe we're changing scenes again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would laugh so hard. Um, but, um, yeah, there's it's just time on stage is, is like, so valuable. <laughs> and, like, moving between those moments uh, how do you move between those scenes and moments so like organically naturally and mm-hmm. not not letting those um changes be a distraction but well then- and that's why i think a really good scenic designer is like worth their yeah. made in gold like i think about shows yeah. that i've seen where it was a set that was you know rich in color and shape and image and yet was very flexible so mm-hmm. like you could have a scene happening on one side of the stage in a certain light 
and then immediately switch to a scene on the other side of the stage in a different light and you're like transported to a different place but there's no furniture moving going on you know I think that's like I I just find that kind of thing so exciting to watch yeah wasn't there I think there's plays I've seen plays where and again this is like an example of just keeping the number of scene, the locations. But I've, I think I've seen plays where there are like three locations on stage, all on stage. Mm-hmm. And you're just like shifting between the locations. Exactly. They don't yeah. move. No, there's no change. But yeah, the, the way you described it. But even that is like you're keeping to a certain number of minimum of locations. You're not, there's no right. 20 location changes. Right. Um, but you can evoke so many locations with just sound too. I mean, you were talking about 36 weeks of sound and like yeah. you can like all we need to know where on a beach is the sound of seagulls or whatever <laughs> you know what I mean that's true yeah or like the right. sound of a cafe um all you need is a table and the sound of a cafe and then we're in a cafe so yeah mm-hmm. so it sounds to me that there's no problem <laughs> there's a solution to everything in theater <laughs> there's a solution to everything just don't, just like, don't put a lot of movable, don't put a lot of furniture that needs to be moved in your stage direction. <laughs> yeah, just do what That's improvisers, improv, improv people do is just have four chairs and you're mm-hmm. literal, like you could be anywhere with those four chairs. There's just so much we can all learn from improv. <laughs> and not learn. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do improv. Well, do you have any final thoughts about scene breaks and act breaks? Um, I guess my final thought is uh, no more scenes, no more acts. Let's just not do it. Let's not do it just anymore. Every play should just be straight through one, continuous one, action. Yeah, just one continuous action. Okay. Um, yeah. But I'll say this. Um, no, actually, I don't have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do love like I I feel like there's something about if a if a scene break is really earned and and there's some kind of cliffhanger or button and you're like, "Oh, what's going to happen next?" There is something really exciting about like the lights going down and we don't know what what they're going to come up come up on. Mm. You know, like there's a way in which you're kind of you get a fresh start as an audience member yeah. Um, going into a new scene or a new act. And that is exciting, but I, but it's, it's hard as a playwright to know how to not overuse that and how to really justify those breaks. <laughs> Always end your scene with a question like, did she? <laughs> Are you no, cheating no, 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 no. on me? Lights out. Lights out. <laughs> well, Good advice, Sarah. <laughs> I feel like that's that is a really good clip. Like you just end with a question at every <laughs> Who killed who? <laughs> yeah. There, I, I gave you a, a nugget of wisdom. I love Go it. I'm gonna it. use Go that. I'm gonna end every scene with a question from now on. Great. All right, listeners. Uh maybe you have thoughts on this. Better thoughts than than us on this. <laughs> um, but yeah. Let us know what you think of scene breaks and act breaks and what's ha- what's happening in between those breaks. 
And are are there any favorite plays of yours that use really good jumps in time or yeah? That's not a movie or TV. Exactly. Because <laughs> this right. is a playwriting podcast. Ta Correct. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to Glisten. Um, I'll go first. Um, so I discovered this group called London Writer Salon. Ooh. And, and it's this organization that helps <laughs> like finding time in your day to write. I don't know. There's like this group. So I this this past week I've been logging into the Zoom at 8 a.m. And with wow. other writers from all over the world, spend one hour and write. You're wow. Like, it's such a crazy thing. I was, and, and it's, I mean, I don't have my, everyone has their video on, but I don't have my video because it's 8 a.m. I look like a disaster. Um, but what it's day like, of the week is it? It's, uh, it's Monday through Friday. They do oh, it. Oh, wow. One do you hour. do it every day? I did it. I, I missed Wednesday because I just wasn't feeling it. But Monday through, um, I did every day this week except Wednesday. Um, wow. And it was kind of hard at first because, I was like, oh, I have to get up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, but I'm like, I've been starting my day with just making something to drink, like a hot drink, and then logging into the Zoom call. And everyone just sort of checks in, like how, you know, their little Zoom chat, like, and then there are two uh, facilitators. They're facilitating the whole hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, first you just check in. Uh, how are you feeling? And then they do like a little word of wisdom to inspire your writing. And then everyone just like, you could be on the, or you could just shut off your video, but like everyone's just writing for 15 minutes. I really want to do this. Okay, I'll send you the link. But I can um, only do it on Fridays because the other days I have class at 9 a.m. Yeah, just do it once a week. Oh, cool. Um, And then, and at the end, everyone just sort of like, we've come to an end. Like, this is the hour. Hope you got some done. What are you working on? What are you, you know, they kind of, and everyone just kind of logs out and says, bye. <laughs> it's just one hour. Um, and I feel like because it has the word London in it, it feels like <laughs> really super exciting and sophisticated. London Writer Salon. Um, yeah. And, 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 and it's like all sorts of writers, like novelists, poets, musicians, cool. or people who are just like, who are just like working on a blog, you know, just all sorts of writers that just log in for an hour to write. Um, and I just feel like I just I don't know why I feel like it. I was like looking for something like this, like structure in my day to start my day writing because I feel like there's just totally. been days where I've just been slacking. Um, but yeah, London Writer Salon is really cool. Check it out. All right, I will. Um, what's your glisten? I my glisten. Is oh no! This amazing play I saw on Zoom. <laughs> your play called stains oh god um it was so good sarah and i just i it just reminded me how much i miss getting to see your plays performed by people Aww. and i don't know what to tell our audience about except it's like kind of a coming of age story about a korean american mm-hmm. girl there's a lot of period jokes <laughs> yeah. uh, sabrina the teenage witch is involved yep and it was like hands down the best zoom reading i've ever seen wow so good you heard it here first folks i don't think i checked my phone once really yeah because i was checking my phone the entire time because 
because I you were texting, texting me. <laughs> this is so funny. Okay, you're right. I did look at my phone to text you. Yeah, my laughter. Right. <laughs> um. So yeah, fun. that was that was really fun. That was like my first Zoom reading. That was like my first reading, honestly, and I feel like in so long of a play I wrote since grad school. Um. Well, I hope it gets produced really soon so that other people can enjoy it i think i think the world is not ready for periods <laughs> uh well i think 50 percent of the world is ready for periods oh really that's what i think can you just oh god i really i really want to see uh a woman wearing adult diaper on stage like, like <laughs> that's so badly oh that's why we all write plays. It's because we just want to see certain things on stage. And if nobody else is going to put that on stage, Sarah, then it's up to you okay. to make it happen. <sighs> Nick says it's probably his favorite uh, thing I wrote. <laughs> I it's like, really good. It's really? so funny. And so, and there's just so much heart in it, too. You know, I know one of the fears when I was writing this, I was like, I don't want to make fun of poor people. Like it was really I don't think no, I don't think it does. It's like okay. it just feels really real and like um yeah. I just yeah, I just think it it just has a lot to offer and I want people to see it. Wow. Wow. Well listeners, I'm not posting this on New Play Exchange. Ha 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 ha. If you didn't go to the reading, you missed out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah. Thanks. Just be hard to get. Play hard to get. That's how I do. <laughs> All right, listeners. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beckett's Babies. If you enjoyed what you heard or learned a thing or two about playwriting, be sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends. And if you'd like to reach out and share with us your thoughts on playwriting and theater or maybe be a guest on the show, uh, be sure to visit our website at www.beckettsbabies.com. That's www.beckettsbabies.com, and you can contact us there. Thanks for listening.